Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. So excited to see you all today. We are going to have a great meeting today with lots of wonderful tips. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization for executive level marketers. And the idea is that we get together with other marketers and we share tips about what is happening in our particular industry of marketing. So each person here has their specialty in marketing. And so we have people that are presenting tips in different areas so that we can all stay up to speed on what's happening in multiple different areas of marketing instead of just swimming in our little lane of marketing. So the way that the meeting works is that we have people who are our featured experts and they will be presenting a four minute tip today. And then we'll have one minute for questions. And then we also had some marketers who submitted tips as well. And so we will have them present today. And after you present your tip, you will uh, hear a timer around the four minute mark and Sarah will be our timer today. So she'll give you a little flag when you get close and then you'll just listen for her timer. But the idea is that these tips are educational and they are informational. So this is not a commercial for your company. It's not a chance to talk about your products and services. We're gonna find out how wonderful and smart and great your company is just by you offering your expertise. But this is really just a chance for us to get together and just learn from other marketers about the different areas of marketing. And then in addition to that, we also are a very welcoming group and we tend to help each other a lot. So as we get to know each other, we are also able to share business. So if somebody needs graphic design, they probably need public relations and social media and sales and crisis communication. So please use this as an opportunity to get to know other marketers and to be able to refer business to them. And then also if you need, if your clients need a service, this is a great organization for you to go to and look for those resources for your clients as well. So I put the order of the people who are presenting in the chat. So that way you guys can see. And like I said, there may be a couple people who pop on. Um, there are a couple people that are on here that are um, that are presenting but haven't logged on yet. So you know we'll just pass over them and then we'll be able to just catch them up when they come back in. So the next meeting that we have is October 19th. So be sure to reserve your spot for that. And we meet the third Tuesday of every month at 10 a.m. And then we log on about 9.50 just to have a few minutes to network before we get started just to get to know each other a little bit. And if you would like to present a tip at the next meeting, you can go to the SoGrow Marketing Council website and there's a form on there to submit a tip. So you can go to SoGrowPR.com and in the right-hand corner, there's the marketing tab and you can click under there where it says submit a tip. So that's SoGrow, S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And then we'll let you know if your tip was accepted and then you can present next time. And please feel free to use these tips. We have people who will take these tips and use them for their own marketing. So you can take your tip, you can take somebody else's tip and you can basically just use that as a way to have extra content for you guys too. So it's a great chance to showcase your expertise as well. So, uh, and as you do your tips, please remember to say your name and your company. 
so that we all know who you are. And you can say also what your area of expertise is in marketing. So Scott, would you like to start us off today? I would, yes. Can I share my screen? Yes. Okay, can everyone see my screen? Okay, good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. My company is Beacon Sales Advisors. In my area of expertise is sales. What I'd like to talk about this morning are the key elements to a great client meeting. And there are three. The pre-meeting, the actual meeting, and after the meeting. So typically what everyone will do is they'll do the preparation. They'll have a great meeting. But what I wanna to cover today and the point that I think is missed the most is what happens after the meeting. So typically you might ask, how'd that meeting go? Did it go great? Was it neutral? Or what could we have learned? So what I wanna talk about are what I call after action reviews or otherwise known as AARs. So who should attend those after action reviews? So if you can picture you have a great client meeting, typically what happens is everyone gets in their car and they leave. You miss the opportunity to get great feedback from that meeting. So who should attend that after action meeting? Well, you should do it right after the meeting. Set the expectation during the pre-meeting that you're going to huddle for even 10 to 15 minutes. Who should attend? Everyone that went to the meeting. So all of my marketing friends here, if you go to that meeting, you should be part of that. And who should lead it? The salesperson should lead it. So what questions should you ask? Well, you want to understand what worked and didn't work. Did we achieve our meeting objective? Did everyone play their role? It's okay if Stephanie is the CEO of the company and she didn't play the role you wanted her to play, don't miss that opportunity to give Stephanie that feedback. What did we learn? Did we learn something new from the client? What did we agree to do? And what did the client agree to do? And what are some helpful hints to have a successful after action review? You want to make sure you build it into every call. Make it a standard best practice. Then if you are the salesperson or you're leading that meeting, make sure you document it in writing after the call. Make sure you enter it into your CRM. And most importantly, remember that feedback is a gift. If you don't get the feedback that you want, the next meeting's not going to go as well. So that is my tip for today on how to conduct a great after action review. My name is Scott Siegel and my company is Beacon Sales Advisors. That's great, thank you, Scott. And Scott is our featured expert in sales. So he brings a lot of expertise in that area. So that's a great tip, Scott. Who has questions or thoughts for Scott? I think that's so important. It's interesting. Um, like covering the basics and that's sort of the, you know, and, and we get so busy with all the other things that we're doing and the new bells and whistles and strategies and we get in the weeds of, you know, the content that we're covering with customers, but, you know, 
that three step, you know, before, during, and then the follow up, you know, what can we do better? That's, that's really good. Yeah, that, that's the, in my experience, that's the part people miss the most, just the follow up. You do all the preparation, you have a great meeting and you don't follow up. Mm -hmm. And you just have to make yourself do it. You do. And it only takes 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Scott, do you have any suggestions if you have back-to-back -back meetings and you don't have that time to huddle up with a few people after the meeting? So what I would do is I would, uh, if you don't have that time, I would literally schedule 15 minutes and get everyone on the call and literally book it on everyone's calendar. Cause you don't want to miss, you don't want to miss that feedback and the excitement of coming out of the client meeting because Sarah, to your point, people get distracted and they forget. You got to capture that moment right then and there. Mm -hmm. That's great. Any other Scott, any other thoughts for Scott? Any other questions for Scott? Um, I've, I've tried to build in 10 to 15 minutes uh, to do some recap on the meeting, even if I'm not able to get my boss um, who usually sits on, in on them. Uh, I try to write up kind of a report, so to speak, on how the meeting went, you know, what worked, what didn't work, um, and did we uh, achieve our objectives? Uh, and, and I mean, it's been said four or five times already. It, it's so valuable to have that recap meeting. And my, my advice to piggyback on Scott is to build it into your meeting. Um, All right, Kimberly Petty is our crisis communication featured expert. Kimberly, would you like to share a tip today? Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Kimberly Petty. I work with um, for Cindy Miller Communications, and we are a strategic communications company. Um, so today, I just wanted to talk about um, how to humanize an issue. So we work with a lot of businesses, organizations who are facing issues. And a lot of times those issues can affect the larger community. So how do we get our message out? Um, how do we put a face to that story? Um, so what we do oftentimes, we try, we work with our, um, with people in the business that we're working with or the organization to help us identify um, a story. And we will write that story, we'll try to clearly state the issue that the person is struggling with, and then how that same issue is um, affecting their life and how that affects other people in the larger community. So why does it matter? Why does it matter to that person? And why does it matter to others? And um, many times we'll try to also additionally add something, an action so that, that people can take so that um, they can affect change as well. Um, so we'll use those stories um, in blogs. We will promote them on social media. We'll also do just, you know, your basic pitching to, to media. Um, we also will do guest editorials where we will, it's, it sounds kind of old school guest editorials, but they do work, especially if you, um, depending on who you are trying to reach. So if you are trying to affect change in the legislature or um, in government, those people, they still are reading um, 
media and looking at those editorials. So um, we will help to promote our, the message and make sure that it is um, showcasing not just how it affects that business, but how it affects the larger community in general. Um, so that's my tip for today is just humanizing the issue. I think that it's sometimes hard for us as um, strategists to get businesses to understand that their issue, if it has a face to that issue, that we will be able to affect change easier. That's great, Kimberly, thank you. Somebody have any thoughts or questions for Kimberly? That was a great tip. Kimberly, can you give a generic example? Well, um, actually, you know what? Let me share my screen. Can I share my screen? Let's see. Okay, this is, um, okay. So this is something we worked on last year. It's called Get Georgia Well. It was during the peak of the COVID crisis. So, you know, we were trying, we were working with business organizations to really get people to wear their masks and to, um, especially before Labor Day, because there had been a huge spike in COVID during 4th of July. And so we wanted to, to show people um, if you, that this is indeed happening and that they can make a change by wearing their mask and social distancing. Of course, it seems so odd, but like now it seems just rote, right? But um, a year ago, we were still having to show people that um, that things that they were really being affected. So we would find, for example, here's someone um, in Woodstock that we found who um, had COVID and who is, was struggling with it. We found, um, we worked with an outside expert to help write a report about COVID and um, the spike that happened on 4th of July. And then we took that and uh, report and we pitched it to media and we were able to um, have that expert be on different news programs and had media write about it so that we could show um, it really was happening and how it affected everybody in the larger community and that they could do something about it. So, um, you know, here's a good story um, that we showed because, you know, at the time, I think people still weren't understanding how uh, frontline workers were being affected. Um, so here, here was a story that was put in, um, covered by 11 Alive. Um, we found the, we found the uh, healthcare worker and we pitched that to media. And we also wrote her story as well on our website and promoted that through social media. So it had a, a larger um, effect. So great, Kimberly. And I think what you said about finding people outside of your organization, sometimes you need that outside face to be able to tell that story. It's not always just that you have only internal resources. So the fact that you guys went out and found somebody outside of your organization to tell their story, to tell your story, mm -hmm. that's, that's good insight. That's really helpful. Yeah. Sometimes an outside mm -hmm. expert can help convince people more than an internal. 
Absolutely, it's that added credibility. So that's yeah. great. And Kimberly, how how long are those usually are those stories when you write them? Because it, it's hard to uh, communicate all that. What do you recommend from a length standpoint? Well, um, for like for blogs, generally we would write about not very long, um, four hundred words. Um, but for, for for like a guest editorial, that could be long. That could be fifteen hundred words, twelve hundred um, words. So I guess it depends. Um, with that organization, what we were able to do is we would tell, we would use it on multiple platforms. So we would get a story, tell that story, for example, pitch it to media. That's one place where it's told. Secondly, we would write a shorter summary of that story to post on, on the blog. Then we would cut it down even further to make a post about it on social media and just pull out a quote with the picture um, and hopefully drive people to the website later to you know further read, read about it. But um, you're right, it depends on platform how long uh, something can be. But in general, we've found for blogs across, across industries, we've found maybe 300, 400 words for a blog is, is good. Um, Stephanie, I see you're nodding your head. Do you agree on that? Exactly. Those are the same numbers I would give. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Well, thank you, Kimberly. And I'll just say, call Kimberly before you or your clients have a crisis. Call her now, get the plan in place. <laughs> Don't wait until it happens. Then it's, it's yeah. a little difficult to deal with. So, all right. Um, Eric, would you like to share a tip? And then we've got Virginia and Aaron and Sarah after that. So, Eric. Yes. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, everybody, for being here. My name is Eric Atwood. I am based in Atlanta, and I run my own business called The Speaker's Studio. I do speech and presentation coaching, communications training, and I run groups called Speaking Circles. A couple of you on this call have attended a, a speaking circle, at least one. Um, and it helps people get comfortable and effective speaking in groups, either virtually, like we're doing now, or in person. Um, and it's based on a practice called relational presence, which is the idea of being with one person at a time in a group, rather than scanning or not, uh, looking away from an audience. You're really just being present with each person. So my tips today um, are how to make a connection with your audience. Again, this can apply for a virtual audience or an in-person audience. And making a connection is a really important piece of having an effective presentation. Um, this is a really short presentation, so I'm not gonna be able to do all those tips. Typically presentations are between 15 and, and 45 minutes. And um, they're a great way to market your services, especially as an entrepreneur is to present a, a, a field of expertise or a particular topic that you know about to an audience through a talk or a presentation. So my first tip when doing a talk or presentation is to start that talk with a brief story about yourself or something personal, like something about you. Um, it might be something that happened to you that morning or why you're there, you know, why this topic is important to you. Because when you do that, it immediately connects the audience to who you are. So there's a relatability there. They get like, okay, this person is about this, not just sharing information that we're gonna to listen to, but they're making a connection with you. So the second tip would be, is interact with your audience in some way. Have them do something. It might be an exercise or an activity 
or you might ask them a question or you might invite questions from them. Q&A is typically a part of a, a talk or presentation that lasts at least half an hour. Um, but I would say have them do something else. It keeps them engaged that way and it keeps that connection really palpable. And then the third tip is at the end of your presentation is to wrap it up by uh, reiterating the key points that you've just talked about in your presentation. Typically about three key takeaways or points or about the most you should have. Sometimes it's one, but between one and three. So just kind of, it reinforces what you've just shared with them. And, and then also along with that is a call to action. Sometimes people miss this part at the end. They don't really have their audience do anything. So a call to action could be um, reach out to me if you have any questions or apply one of the things you learn here today. Um, so it, it really helps people feel like they're going to do something with what they've just learned instead of like, they're not sure what to do next. So those are some content pieces around tips. The other way to connect is through your presence. So that's the two main ways we connect with an audience is through our words and through our presence non-verbally. Most, most of our communication is non-verbal. So how we connect through our presence is what we, what we use, what, what I teach is called relational presence, being with one person at a time. In a virtual space, this is a really good way to connect with your whole audience. I'm looking into the camera lens. And not a lot of people do this virtually, but when you look into the camera, everybody can see my eyes. And so you're actually being with everybody at the same time. In person, the, the practice and the invitation is to be with one person at a time, right? So just taking time with each person, just focusing with a nice soft gaze with each person moving around the room that way. Um, that really helps people feel this connection between you and them when you use this practice of relational presence. And the other tip around presence is just to be yourself, right? So don't feel like you have to perform or you know, put on a show or do anything that, that's not natural to you. It's okay to emulate other people, but not to copy their style if it's not really you. Because part of how you connect with people is to get a sense of this is who I am and people are relating to you as this person. So that authenticity is really important. So just be yourself. Don't worry about um, what they might be thinking of you or trying to do something that you might think they want you to do. The more you are yourself, the more that you draw them in and they get an understanding of who you are and why you're talking about this. So those are my five tips today, three around content and two around your presence. And both those things, when you blend them together, will make your talk or presentation a lot more effective. So with that, I'm complete. Great, Eric, thank you so much. So I've attended Eric's speaking circles and they are really challenging. It gets you out of your comfort zone but he made me think about a lot of things that I haven't thought about before. And I love your idea about looking at each person individually when you're in person, because I think when we get nervous, when we speak, it's easier to pretend the audience isn't even there just to make you feel better. There aren't that many eyes looking at me, but you're saying the opposite actually connect with those people. And I, I think that probably could even take away some of the nerves because you just realize they're just human beings and they're just people like me and they're probably you know, friendly faces all around. So I think that's a great tip. So thank you. Eric. Right. And just one thing beyond that is when you're speaking, when you're just being with one person in an audience, it kind of helps you feel like you're just having a conversation with this person. And it's not the easiest thing. It does take some practice. But if you are looking around and see the sea of faces, that can tend to get people nervous. So yeah, it's just a practice that actually helps people overcome public speaking anxiety. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's great tip, Eric. Any thoughts or questions for Eric? Eric, you mentioned presence. Um, how, if someone is working on presence, how, how long will it take them to all the tips you mentioned to get to a place they're comfortable? What's your experience from a timing standpoint? It really dep depends on where you start. You know, there's always going to be a starting point. Some people are more comfortable in groups. Some people are terrified of groups. I used to have that fear myself. So I would avoid public venues of all kinds, even small ones. Um, so if you're, um, I would say have a phobia, it's gonna take you a little longer, obviously. So, but when you use these practices and you actually apply them, you'll start to get more comfortable pretty quickly. Um, and the idea is just to really be comfortable with being yourself. When you're yourself, people, you'll start to notice that people are sort of drawn to your presence. Um, so it's, it's kind of, a, it depends on the person, their background, their experience and uh, kind of where they start. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you, Eric. So you guys go sign up for Eric's Speaking Circles. It's, it's a great experience to just, just see what it's like to be in one of those circles and practice some of these things that he talked about. So thank I, I you. have a question. Oh, sure. I don't really mind public speaking or speaking in a group, but for some reason, when a microphone is put in my hand, everything changes. <laughs> And I don't know if that's an experience that other people have had, but is there, are there any you know, tips or videos I can see on how to get used to my voice? Get used to your voice, yeah. Um, there's no easy solution. And again, it depends on um, kind of what comes up for you because some people, like you say, if they have a microphone in their hand, it feels like they're on stage and they have to be funny or they have to perform in some way. And same thing with a with a headset kind of microphone too. Um, it feels like, oh, not, oh my, I, I now have to do something different than I typically would if I was talking in front of a small group. But again, the practice is to just feel like you're having a conversation with one person at a time and don't feel like you have to perform, you know, just, just be yourself and feel like what I have to share here is valuable and people are going to receive something valuable. Um, and just kind of taking off that performance hat. It's a mental thing, but it does come with, with practice as well. Um, but yeah, there is something about an actual mic that changes the, the feeling or the, the experience people have with it, but it mostly just comes with practice and kind of changing the, the mental approach that you take to it. Yeah. Cause my voice projects as it is, I don't, in a small group, I don't really need a microphone. Mm -hmm. um, and it happened at a chamber event where we were in a small group but in a big room kind of spread out because of, you know, COVID and everything. And when I put the microphone up to my mouth, I felt like I was screaming at people. So then I lowered my voice and that took me out of my comfort zone. So I think what you were saying is just, you know, practice, find a room or somewhere to go where you can... Right better adapt and more quickly adapt to the microphone settings and the speaker settings um, in a room. Right, yeah, because sometimes the, the sound might be a little bit louder, reverberated, the acoustics might be different. So in those situations, it's helpful if you can to do something beforehand that get with the audio visual person and just do a test and see how the sound is and you know how you're experiencing it so you can actually prepare for it when you're when you're literally on stage with a group okay it's a great question brian thank you for asking it 
Erin uh, or Virginia. Do you have a tip today that you wanted to share and introduce yourself? Yes, and before I share my tip, I wanted to tell Brian that one thing that may help too is the clip uh, microphone, because if it's about holding the the microphone and maybe being nervous, like that has happened to me where like you move. Uh, sometimes the clip on microphones, you know, help you kind of move your hand and give you more flexibility. Okay. So I'll share that. Um, okay, so let's see. Yeah, so my um, my tip for today is it's a methodology I created which, uh, of conversations. And, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to building a message, they focus on problem solution. So people will say, find a pain point, give them a solution. Find a pain point, give them a solution. You know, and you hear that over and over again. And if I hear that one more time, I'm just going to be so mad because I want to throw something on the wall. Like that really bothers me a lot. And one of the reasons that bothers me as a strategist is that, you know, when you're a customer, right? And then say you're looking for, I don't know, let's say coaching, financial coaching. And they're like, I know you're struggling with your finances and I'm going to help you be financially free. You know, and then now you see one coach, two coach, 10 coaches that say the exact same thing. Maybe they were able to understand your problem, right? Um, and maybe they were able to explain the solution. But then basically what happens is you are having the same person with different outfits shown into an advertisement and a campaign. And as a customer, you have no way to decide which one is for you because it's always a solution. So this is the reason why I created this strategic methodology, which is called the bridge. So if you see this woman, right, she will start at one, which will be like her problem. Then she will go into the middle, which is working with you uh, as a service provider or company. And this is how you are going to help her. And then at the end, she's going to be solving her problem. So if so, most people, when they're strategizing their, their message, where they're writing an article, where they're creating a campaign, they're like, okay, this woman has this problem. This is my solution. And this is a really, really, really big problem for organizations. Because basically what you're doing is you're investing your money into being a me too company that is not a value-based communication. If you put literally a month of your time every single day working on number two and really understanding how do you help this person? Do you help this person have a more calm life? Do you help this person get organized? Do you help this person, um, you know, earn like $100,000 more? Do you, earn a, you help a firm create multi-million dollars out of it? Like, then this is what builds your case study. This is what builds your story. This is what builds your, this is the story. Like, if you ever see a good trailer movie, they don't, sh they don't show one to like, they don't show the traditional marketing method that people use, which is one and three. Person was sad and like now they're happy. Like you don't need, you don't see that in, in a really good, uh, because this movie people are expert at storytellers. So if you can do something, it's 
I'm sure all of us, we do articles, we do posts, we do presentation pitches. One thing I would challenge you to do is, you know, you may be doing this already, but if you're not doing this already, do number two. And do number two research, like go to your previous clients and ask them, hey, how the, the client will say, yes, I was here and you helped me do this and I'm so happy. So I challenge you to have a conversation with your previous clients and say, well, how did I make you happy? How did I help your company be more effective? How did I help you build more results? And then have them ask that conversation because you'll be surprised about the answers they give. And that is what makes different. That's where your message, that is value-based message, which you move from like how much your company costs and how much is your price to a value-based differentiation is. Um, so yeah, so that's my tip for today. And I have, I'm really open for questions. So Virginia, in terms of, I love the idea of thinking of something as a trailer. That's such an interesting idea in terms of marketing, instead of just problem solution, thinking of it as a trailer. So could you translate that into something where somebody's trying to sell a service? Could you maybe give us an example of what that trailer would look like for like a B2B company or a service company or something that's not a movie? Yeah, so for example, I guess I can talk about um, a couple of people I know here or what they do. So with Stephanie, like in your fashion business, right? Um, so a trailer concept. So a non-trailer concept is, this is what you look like in fashion and where your colors are dimming your light and you look like pale in the screen. And then the number three will be, this is how amazing you look in your bright colors and people can see you. That will be a non-trailer marketing. A trailer marketing is the evolution of that person. That person went from black and maybe she was not really comfortable being seen. And then she had an interaction with you and met with you. And then she felt comfortable. And then now she wear pink and now pink is, represents her culture. And now she's seen, right? And then now a woman is like, man, I want to work with her because I want to be so, because she makes, so, so the number two, it is the hidden value that maybe you were able to understand her, her taste. Maybe you were able to understand her fit. Maybe you were able to understand her cultural background. And then that person is like, wow, I get not only a fashion you know, person that's going to help me from here to here, I, ha I have a person that is going to see me. And then that's the difference between her and this other one. So that would be the trailer. And the trailer is like, do you want to see the end of the story? Like, you know, and, and that's what they do. Like in the, you know, like the shows where they do interior design, you know, that you're like, you're seeing the thing and you're seeing that. And you want to see the end to see what the house looks at the end. So that would be a trailer kind of a style. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's great. That's so helpful. I love that. I just feel like I just want to sit and think about it and just figure out how to do that in different situations. So yeah. any thoughts or questions for Virginia? Great tip. Thank you. And if anybody wants me to kind of play with your industry and I can give you a couple of tips, then uh, please reach out to me. I will put my email mm -hmm. um, so you can reach out to me and I'll be happy to play along with, with that. Too. Perfect. Great, lots to think about. Wonderful, thank you, Virginia, we appreciate it. And Erin, would you like to share a tip today? Yeah, definitely. 
Um, I'm going to share my screen. Um, so I've just got three quick ones for you. Um, so the first two are specifically about just like when anyone's filming. Um, so obviously, sorry, backtrack. My name's Erin. <laughs> um, I'm my business is called Goodyear Creative and I am a videographer. Um, so I'm making videos all the time, but I really do believe in the power of video. And I think businesses that can't afford to hire professionally for all the time, they should still be making videos as often as possible. So I'm always encouraging um, people to just make some videos. Um, but qu two quick tips about um, when you're actually filming that can help just, it's so easy to make it look just a little bit better and look a little more professional. And one of the things is talking about headroom. So headroom is just the amount of space between the top of the person's head and the top of the screen. So I've seen it both where they'll cut someone's head off or it's way too much headroom. Um, and that's really just a matter of like angling and kind of maybe stepping a step forward or backwards. Here's um, an example of the difference. So that's first one what people do a lot of times is they'll center the person's face in the center of the shot just it's like a subconscious you want to put the most important thing in the middle but you actually want to put the people's faces a little bit more towards the top give them a little bit of space above their heads but not not as much as on the left there um and that's just a matter of taking one step in um and really the reason why that's important is one it looks more professional but also just if you can kind of compare those two pictures um, the one on the left, you're like noticing the background a little bit more and you're like, where are they? What's going on? Whereas on the left side, you, just, you immediately see their faces first um, and that's what you want people to focus on. Um, and so that's one of them. And the other one's very similar. It's noticing eyeline. Um, so eyeline is just where the camera aligns to the person's face that like the subject of your video. Um, and so usually pretty much in anything that's not like something you're trying to be artsy or anything like that, you probably want to keep the eyeline camera centered to the person's face. Um, if you don't, you can kind of convey some power dynamics that maybe you're not trying to convey. Um, and once again, it's a little bit more professional when you, um, usually people will just take it as an accident if you don't do it correctly. Um, so in the top left picture, that's just like a really regular interview. That's kind of the most basic normal type of shot. Um, but I specifically that bottom left picture, like that I took the camera took down my little monopod, made it lower so that I was eyeline with that kid. Um, and that just, um, you see his kid face a little bit more. It gives them a little bit more power. Um, here's kind of the comparison. I actually work with nonprofits a lot. That's the biggest, my biggest client base. And so um, it's really important for, especially nonprofit type of videos to make sure that you're conveying the right um, kind of power. You don't want to be looking down on specifically if you're working with like vulnerable populations and stuff. So anyway, um, this would be an example. I mean, it's not, that picture on the left's not horrible. She's super adorable, but um, you definitely notice the things around her as much um, as compared to the picture on the left. This is the same organization, but the picture on the left, you, that kid's got a lot more like power and respect just through the camera. Um, and so that's something super easy that people just don't think about, um, but can definitely do. Um, sorry, that's hard. I'm having a hard time moving it. Okay. Um, another quick th tip that's kind of unrelated, but um, anybody anybody can get a free Canva account, and actually you get a lot of stuff on Canva. Um, if you know anybody who's a nonprofit, I will say nonprofits can get the pro version for free, so they should know that. <laughs> but um, another quick tip is that you can actually do quick animations on Canva, and if you ever are making just even a basic video and you kind of want to put like your logo at the end, um, you can do that on here and it's pretty easy to make it look pretty decent. So I made this one just this morning. Um, 
it's got a little animation going um and um you can just download it and then whatever editing software even if you're using like a free free editing software stuff and um, you can just add this in there do a little dissolve or just have it cut to it and um, then you've got like a nice outro you got a call to action um and it's not as hard as when i'm making these type of things i'm doing it in after effects um, and it takes a lot more um, knowledge to be able to do that. Whereas this, I'm like, man, this is so much easier than what I'm doing. Um, it's not as custom, but it's definitely awesome. Um, so I definitely recommend people check that out. And those are my three tips. First thing that came, first thing that came to my mind, Aaron, and this is probably the same thing with some of these other visual communicators, was the rule of thirds. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought about mentioning that, but that's like a whole rabbit hole. So it's like, well, it's, it's, it's a lot easier in photography because the, 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 the image you get is still, so it's always going to be there. Whereas in video, you know, you kind of have to adapt a little bit more and, and have a little more leeway. Um, one question I have, how, how have you kind of adapted your video strategy with these masks that everyone's wearing? How do you make this person come alive? Do you give them, I, I think of, this is going to be an awful example, but I think of Bane from that third Batman movie. Yeah. He did so much acting with his eyes. It's true. And to me, that's what you kind of have to convey to your, you know, subjects that you're videotaping or photographing um, that, you know, they're going to have to be a little more communicative, communicative with their eyeballs um, rather than, than just sitting there, you know, looking dead eyed. So have you had to, you know, do any coaching on the spot with some people? Yeah, I'll say with most interviews that I've done, we either do it outside or I'm wearing a mask, everybody else is wearing a mask, and we have the person actually doing the interview not wear a mask. And even with the whole six feet and stuff like that, usually with the whole setup, they're more than six feet away. Um, so I, we've kind of done that mainly for audio purposes, just because it's really hard to understand people um when they got their mask on but um but when I'm just spending like filming like general footage everybody's got their mask on and um, mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's more of I haven't done as much coaching on it because usually when in those situations I'm filming like a crowd and I'm not going to tell a bunch of people what to do but um I uh, do spend a lot of time thinking about it how to show it with um with the camera and like the moments that I'm capturing because you can tell if someone's like laughing if they're like moving and they can move like they're laughing whereas it is harder I have to I can't use as many cool shots that I used to be able to when people weren't wearing masks just because if someone's like generally smiling um you, you get a better energy but if they were just wearing a mask and they're kind of smiling you can't super tell um so yeah that's definitely been an issue but it's more of just making sure I catch the moments that are more visual mm -hmm. yeah, yeah we, I saw some b-roll from one of our clients um that they brought over from another marketing agency and um it was a manufacturing firm and everyone they did some you know b-roll around the property and everyone had a different mask on and so one of the one of the one of the pieces of advice we gave them was hey everyone wear the same kind of mask yeah. and that right there just you know lent some consistency in the video um i mean even if they're you know either the surgical masks or just a company gator just make sure it's the same thing so that everybody looks the same. Yeah, for sure. Great thing to think about. All sorts of new things we have to think about with <laughs> video. Quick question yep. for Aaron. Um, do you, what about feet? <laughs> do, I always hate it in photos when people's feet are chopped off. 
is that the same for video or what, what do you do for, for video? That's a great question. So I, so in my head, I always split between interviews and B-roll. So I'll answer that again separately, but I, I wouldn't put people's feet in like an interview if they're talking because that implies that they're really far away and right. kind of unnecessarily. So if they're like talking, I want to, you want to be able to really see their face. Um, and then with video, with like more general B-roll. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't feel like feet are that big of a deal uh, as less important than what you're trying to say with the distance. So I'll include people's feet if I'm like really far away and trying to capture a whole crowd. Um, but I wouldn't want to make sure that I included their feet if I was up close because it would start affecting that angle. Um, and I feel like that that conveys more emotions than, um, yeah. But that's a good question. I have not gotten that question before. I find that <clears throat> with video, I mean, with photos too, it's those unexpected things. And especially like you, you get the stock footage or whatever you've got, and then you come back to the studio and you're looking at it and you're like, oh, that just doesn't feel right. You know, whatever the case, if it's feet or not the right eye line or headspace, headroom. Um, so those type of tips. Do you, um, when you're shooting B-roll for like an outside location, um, is there a specific time of day that like, is it the morning typically that's the best or? I mean, there's always like the um, golden hour, which is like that time right after sunrise and right before sunset. Um, mm -hmm. But really the only thing about that is that there's no shadows. And so when people have shadows, they just don't look as normal. But um, I would say most of the time it's fine. Uh, like, I don't worry too much about it. I'll say the one time it's a little difficult is like, midday on a really sunny day and there's like these just like the shadows are black and right not just like a general shadow that's the only time that I really am like oh dang it this is like not the best time to film as if and also yeah. along with that is people are hot and if they're all sweaty and they don't feel great it's just it comes across right. <laughs> yep yep yeah. very cool well, thank you everybody so much for presenting tips today these were wonderful tips and I always walk away learning so much in all these different areas of marketing. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to prepare tips. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing. <laughs>